Good day, nerds. This is Megan coming at you with another Cantina Conversation. Today's episode features a chat with L.R. Jones. That's a new pen name for an existing, well-published author, Lisa Renee Jones. That's uh, You may be more familiar with Lisa Renee Jones. Either way, we are talking about L.R. Jones's You Look Beautiful Tonight that's available now. This was a really cool conversation uh, between me and Lisa. I really enjoyed hearing kind of like about how she developed her characters and her experiences um, as a well-known writer in switching her pen names for for this release. And also, I really loved learning about her charity event, Readers Take Denver, that's going to take place in April of next year, 2024. And who knows, maybe the Nerd Cantina will go. Either way, here you guys go. Here is L.R. Jones. So today we've got L.R. Jones, also known as Lisa Renee Jones. We're talking about her book, You Look Beautiful Tonight. That book is available now. But Lisa, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. I'm a sucker for thrillers and uh, your characters were, you know, like just like relatable. I really enjoyed getting to know them and like kind of identifying with some of their like reactions to things and with um our our beloved Mia's situation and it was so I'm I'm we'll get into it but I'm um thank you so much for sitting down and talking with us today well thank you for having me and um I'm excited to talk about the book I you know Mia the whole idea behind Mia is her being relatable you know um when I thought of the storyline I was actually in Nashville because the book takes place in Nashville and I was in the middle of all this craziness you know when you're in Nashville if you've ever been um mm-hmm. those buses are coming by and people are like partying and having all this <laughs> great time and you like kind of feel like oh like all this craziness going on around you and then I walked by this giant library and I'm like, what would it be like to like work at a library and kind of be in your own world when all this stuff's going around you and feel invisible in the middle of that? It's actually more, more, it's possible to feel invisible in the middle of a crowd. That's like usually the time when you feel the most invisible, I think. Yeah. And I, you know, I have been in Nashville um, a couple of times. First time I was pregnant. So I, (laughs) I was like, it was in, um, we planned a trip to Nashville for like New Year's Eve. And like, I was really excited about it because I heard it was like a thing. And we went to, um, what is it? That, that, uh, concert that they have in that, like, that park there. Oh, God, I forgot. Oh, what yeah. I've wanted to go to that before. Centennial Park or My something like that. Been a lot- yeah. Yeah. I've heard it's amazing. Though. It's fun. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah. We did. And, oh, my God. What's his name? Keith Urban was headlining and also Styx was playing. So it was still like really cool and really fun, despite like the weird weather. And um, also that despite the fact that I was like a little restricted to into like the activities that I could participate in. But other than that, it was still really enjoyable. And then the second time I went um, last year with my husband and, and um, his friends to visit my brother-in-law and his wife who lived down there. And that was like more, that was more fun. I wasn't pregnant. So it was like a little more fun, but we stayed in like East Nashville and just, it was nice to like, just do like a lot of local stuff and also not like be such a tourist, but like kind of like tourist adjacent where you're there seeing family, people who live there and people who know like where they maybe want to take you Like going there and like kind of just, you know, uh, visiting things based on what you might look up, you know, and it's also, yeah, it, like, but Nashville, I, that's a place that I don't mind visiting multiple times just because it's just, I like the feel, I like the vibe, um, the food. I'm always about the food, the food. no matter where oh I go. Gosh, yeah. Great, great food there. Yeah. 
Yeah. The thing, you know, that really helped me write this book is um, we actually considered buying a house up there. Okay. So is it up, down from where I'm at, down? I think yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, I always get turned around, but um, so we spent some time there and we, you know, Nashville's, you know, interesting. It's Nashville. There's a big, big city, but then there's all these little small cities all around it. And it's a very country. Like you go and there's like narrow winding roads. And um, you think because I'm from the mountains, like Colorado, which technically I'm from, you know, someplace else, but I've lived here for years that I'd be used to that. But it's a different, the Rocky Mountains, you get you can get nauseous and dizzy driving back mm. to those mountains. And I was going, oh, my God, we're, like, trapped in a maze of small roads and mountains. And I don't know if I can live here. I'm going to be sick all the time. I'm sure you can <laughs> do it. Because, you know, I, I host a big convention here, uh, Reader's Take Denver, every year. And it's um, this coming year, it's going to be about 1,700 people. And we one of the things we have to worry about is bringing in oxygen for people. Cause oh, wow. Yeah. Because of the elevation, right? Like, yeah. 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 And so I'm sure it's similar. It's just a different kind of, you know, sickness that you probably can get. Because I was like, this is crazy. You'd think I wouldn't be the one to get it. But my husband and I both did. But anyway, it helped write the book because I understood more than just that little area of touristy area like you're talking about. I understood Nashville as a whole. And it also helps you kind of understand the mentality of the people and just, you know, that there is a vibe to the people too. I mean, we lived in Austin, Texas for most of my life. I moved from Illinois to Austin when I was a kid. And um, when we, then we moved to New York for two years and in New York, you know, we kind of learned that like the F word is like saying damn <laughs> <in> Texas. <laughs> and oh. if you, <laughs> it is. And my husband that good said, uh, Christian state, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So my, my husband said he was, we were just like, people are so rude, blah, blah, blah. We thought, but then later we decided, no, they weren't at all. But, um, and he was in this record shop and he said, I heard him fighting. They were like, F you, F you, F you, blah, blah, blah. And then he said, but then, then I understand them, Lisa. At the end, one of them said, okay, Joe, I'll see you next week. And they were happy. He said they were just talking. <laughs> and it was like our whole world changed. We understood New Yorkers. It was just, you know, a way of communicating. That's so, so funny. Yeah. So that our first day that we moved to Colorado, like we're in Springs, which is like the Bible bang or capital of the world. And the first thing he does in, in one of the restaurants is shout out the F word. <laughs> I'm like, okay, no, different vibe, different mentality. Don't maybe don't the context, do right? Like, yeah. <laughs> you gotta pay attention to the context. Yeah. That's so, so funny. I mean, that's the thing that's, you know, about a book, the setting does matter. And like the walkability too, right? Because that was a big thing for me. I was like, uh, she just enjoyed being able to walk everywhere. Yeah. 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 But you can't do that in every downtown. Like Denver, not so much, you know, at night, you don't want to That's on my, that's on my uh, visit list. That's on my bucket list of places to visit. Um, (laughs) Seriously, it's, it's really fun and it's for charity. It's to help um, sick animals. So, you know, where, where is, when is that? Um, so it's April 18th through 21st at the Gaylord. And we've signed for four years at the Gaylord. Last year was okay. our first year and it was such a big success. So it's all genres. Um, I'm really trying to pull the thriller genre in because obviously I'm invested in thrillers. Yeah. Um, and um, so we had a lot of thriller writers last year. We're going to have a lot more this year, but we have a lot of fantasy. Um, I mean, I really, really want to get all the genres because I think readers, we like to cross, you know, read, you know, or cross genres. And so it's fun to get them all together, editors, publishers, everybody. Yeah. 
Um, it's all the networking, right? You never know. Like, because I think that happens a lot, like the crossovers at events like that, um, where, yeah, absolutely. You're, you're, you're exactly right. Where authors, they like to kind of peek into other, or just like a network is like a big community of support, right? It's like, no matter what authors with authors, you guys are all like, you know, hyping, every <laughs> hyping each other up and, and just, you guys get it, you know? Yeah, and we actually, um, one of the things we did last year that we're going to do on a bigger scale this coming year is we have people like podcasters involved. We have influencers involved, big influencers, because that's a part of the world that we live in now. Certainly, yeah. it's a part of our industry. But I mean, I know a lot of people who they find their books from their influencers, whether it be a podcaster as an influencer, whether it be um, a TikToker or whatever it might be. So kind of piggybacking off of something else that you said with, oh, so like, first of all, we jumped the gun a little bit, but I love it. Um, can you give like a synopsis of, oh, of uh, you book, look, right? yeah, <laughs> let's talk yes. about the book. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, Mia Anderson is a librarian in Nashville and she feels invisible. She feels like nobody notices her and um, everything good in her life happens between the covers of the books that she loves. You know, she goes to the same coffee shop every day and they never remember her name or her order. And then one day when she's picking up her coffee, somebody leaves a note on her table um, that's giving her a compliment. And then she keeps getting more and more of these notes. And um, she's rises to the compliments, you know, as we all tend to do, you know, it feels good to get acknowledged or to feel like somebody notices you. And she starts dressing nicer and being more excited for her days. And then this person actually contacts her and she starts talking to him on the phone and telling him pretty much everything about her life. And she's really not very cautious about who she's talking to because she's just so excited to have somebody to talk to. And uh, in this world where we meet so many people online and everything, it's so easy to just say, oh, I know this person. Mm -hmm. You really don't. And um, the next thing she knows, he's telling her, well, you you know, she's complaining about things that are happening. You need to take control of your life. And if you won't, I'll do it for you. And the way he goes about doing that is um, very um, dark and everything moving forward gets very ominous. And um it's something where it's like, if you put all of your self-worth in someone else, how can that become destructive? And when everything becomes about someone else's opinions, someone else's value to you, not your own. So, and I think we've all experienced that, you know, the insecurity, um, feeling invisible, even if we're not, sometimes we feel invisible when there's, and you can see that in Mia in the book, there are people around her who see her. But she feels like she's the one in the group who's invisible, you know. Um, so, and, I, and again, I, that's one of the things I really liked about writing her is I feel like we can all connect with at some point in our life. It could be when we were younger. It could be at just, you know, during a divorce, during, you know, a job change, whatever it might be. We all have felt invisible at some point. And then also it can be easy, you know, whether it's a great friend in school, whether it's a spouse, whether it's a boyfriend at some time in life to maybe let them value you and, you know, be the ones valuing you instead of yourself too. So, Mm. yeah. Yeah, And I think that's, you know, speaking of my point earlier, I think that's what makes her kind of relatable. It's because like, you know, she, I don't know what it's like to date online. Like I'm, I met my husband 
2009. So like 13 years ago, 14 years ago, about. So when I see, I like friends um, who have been eventually getting into relationships, but then, you know, turning to online dating, which is totally like the norm now. It is. Um, Yeah. And I'm just thinking like, I don't even know what, if I was single tomorrow, I have no idea what I would do. I would probably be like Mia, like just mosing about my day, kind of having my routine. And I guess the difference is, is like, I've absolutely, I felt invisible, but I'm like, whatever like I'm like that's the part where I'm like I guess like she seems kind of like that too where it's like okay like she kind of just accepts it to an extent yeah. where she's like accepted it just because she she's used to it and then um when yeah it's like when all of a sudden she's not or she doesn't realize like how you know to certain people she, she's not invisible per se it's just like you know and then we want to be spoiler free obviously but like yeah, and that's just like part of like what people can relate to to her as a character is um, you know, we we all do that. We all have our routines. We all go through our like uh our things and the fact that she like loves the walkability and she has like her routes, she has her favorite places. Habits, yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. Like to her for lunch, for coffee, whatever. But then again, that makes her very susceptible to people learning where she's gonna be and when. Yeah. And you know, that's part of it. And it's like, girl, you don't, you're, you know, you got to learn. Like, don't you see the, you know, the warnings of, you know, don't be too predictable. You're, you're a single girl living by yourself. Like what? <laughs> my cat is in the background. I'm so sorry. Oh <laughs> no, don't worry about it. I, like I, I've shut all the doors. Paper. Otherwise my dog would be in here. So it's I okay. have a barrier up so they can't get to me, but the cat somehow jumped it. So Does the I, cat, the cat hears me. It's okay. I get it. Like. <laughs> <laughs> she's the loudest cat on planet earth. I promise you she really is. She's, um, she's a Peter bald and they're just huge. They're really rare and they're, Big time talkers, but um, my husband. No, it's okay be- if, the, if the if the cat decides to say hi. We can also include it in the headshot in the <laughs> screenshot. <laughs> but she, um, my husband will be on the phone, and she's certain he must be talking to her, and he'll be talking to somebody, and it'll be meow 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 meow. And he's like, oh, stop! <laughs> but she's still a cutie. But it, did that change with like um COVID the pandemic when everyone got like did your all? I feel like everyone's pet like got used to people working from home we both have always worked from home so okay just, yeah i think it's just a matter of everything must be about me <laughs> always with me, you know? <laughs> and obviously we're big animal lovers that's the charity we had a we had a cat that got cancer but she made it three and a half years but we were okay. fortunate you know writing had been good to us and we were able to take care of um, radiation and that kind of thing but when we lost her, we really struggled. She was like a daughter to us, which mm. she thought was possible. We had never had an animal that we connected to that much. And it's special when you do. Yeah. And um, we were like, how can we help? How can we honor her by helping other people? And um, that's where the charity, you know, was the brainchild of the charity. And now um, we've been able to help a lot of people. And um, yes, Lola. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> We, um, and how better to do that than something we all love books, you know, and how how that all came about, but yeah, that's perfect. I love that. Yeah. It's tricky, but it's like whatever way you can like connect the things you care about and like, try to like, you know, pay it forward, try to get it out there and try to connect with people who also 
you know, share that same love and share that same connection and, and do some good out of it. That's, that's great. That's awesome. It is. It's emotional. I didn't realize how I should have known how emotional it would be <laughs> when you tell somebody you're going to help them and they didn't have the money to care for their animal or they just love their animal so much. And they're just so thankful to have the resources to help them. I and mean, we, we just had one we helped that needed an ACL like both of their legs, both of the animals' legs were just really damaged. And their, their whole family was going through a divorce with an abusive husband. And mm. it's like, we told the mom we were going to take care of this dog that was kind of like the support for the daughter. She just burst into tears. And I was like, oh my God. And so I burst into tears. I'm, and my husband, he'd probably admit that he, did too. <laughs> yeah, a little emotional. And, Don't lie. Yeah, yeah, I mean, macho or not. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's so sweet. You probably like that was probably something that was just like a part of her list of things to worry about. And yeah, you probably lifted such a huge burden. Not like a burden, but you know, just like a, a, a thing that she has to worry about. You lifted it up from her and then you know i i can't even imagine uh what she would have been because it's like a stressor and it's like you know all this just things that she the dealing with with um those kind of domestic issues like that and for you to just be like well we can make sure that your pet is safe and for her to just I could totally see why she was like, oh my God, <laughs> you know, just one dog need to get fixed $7,500. I was like, holy wow. What the heck? Is it that like a human cost? <laughs> I mean, it was crazy. Right. But, yeah. And she was a very prideful person. So she um, didn't really want to ask for the help yeah, so yeah. Her to do it. But see, I think that these are the kinds of things that also lead to like characters that are relatable, like Mia, who is <laughs> um, insecure. She has those things in your life. There's something that you can connect to when you're writing the character. And if it's something people can relate to, that's what you hope you can. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of like, not only is she relatable, it's just kind of like, that's what makes the reader be like, okay, come on. Come on, girl. Like, what are you doing? Like, don't you see this? Or, you know, yeah. don't, you don't need to delve all, all your information. You don't want to put it all out there. I, I was kind of impressed with like some of the things she would spit back and just to be like, oh, oh, like you or like, you know, just to be like, what about you kind of thing. But at the end of the day, she, she enjoyed it. And it was, yeah. it was like, that's, that's kind of how uh, the person knew he had her because she, you know, you know, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, when I was growing up, I was poor. My mom worked three jobs and I, I had a really wealthy friend. And so I spent a lot of time with her. My mom used to be like, why do you do that to both of us? Because you make us both so aware of that. And so in Mia's case, her close friend is very wealthy and very attractive and she gets a lot of male attention. So I think that, you know, when you look at what makes somebody react to things a certain way, a lot of it has to do with the baggage they have, you know, Mm -hmm. And so we don't all react to things the same way because one, I mean, it's just character, how we're born, who we are, but characters also created by the things that happen in our lives. Yeah. So, you know, I, I always hope that readers will step back and say, this is like this because this is the things, these are the things in her life too. Um, right. 
And because that in her case, you know, her best friend being this wealthy person who's so confident, so many, you know, men who are interested in her, everything, the world is at the tip of her fingers. And for Mia, it's the opposite. But in so many cases, opposites attract too. Yeah. Um, but you have to find a way to have that be a healthy connection too. And in a lot of ways, um, Mia's connection with Jess, her best friend is not super healthy because it also, she feeds off of her, even though her best friend does tell her to be confident, do all these things. She just can't get past feeling inferior. Yeah. And like versus Jack, right. Jack kind of is more aligning with her kind of like attitude and her um, outlook on, you know, the, the more self-awareness right like both her and jack kind of like are aware of who they are and how they or they think like how they come off to the world right so but then he i i love that mia was like well jack's like really attractive but he's like that nerdy attractive and it's like i get the i get the vibe that like jack is you know like the the hot nerd that he is like he doesn't know that he's hot and but it's like that just makes his appeal that much more like (laughs) strong like that much stronger and so it was like you know but that's probably like mia is probably the female version of him where it's like you don't understand like you are appealing like you can be appealing to different people just because you're not appealing to yourself. I don't know. Like, I don't know if that's the way <laughs> so that's no, the way to I describe it, but yeah. Yeah, no. And as a writer, you try and create those parallels where people can maybe see that too. Cause it's a, a lot of it's getting in their psyche. So you can't just tell the reader everything you have to yeah. show them and the things and how they're reacting to things around them as well. And yeah. I mean, people tell her she's attractive, but when she looks in the mirror, she doesn't see that. But you know, when I was plotting this, the thing that I really loved too, was that my husband said, you know, when I was in high school, I felt very invisible. And I was like the geeky guy. I'm like, really? Cause you don't seem that way now. And he's like, yes. He said, so to me, I'm really drawn to that idea because I can relate to it. And that still feels a part of me, even if nobody else knows it. Yeah. I totally get that. Cause I think, I mean, I don't know in high school, it's like, that's where it feels like everything is, um, you know, like almost like for show, like a movie screen, like everybody, you're like your whole life is on display and everybody's paying attention to everything that's going on. But then once you get older, you're like, you realize like, oh my God, how insignificant that, that. that was just a stepping stone into the more important things, right? Like it's the true. person, yeah, like a person I am now, I'm even like, compared to 10 years from now, I'm happy <laughs> with how much I, I've grown. And then absolutely from high school, I am happy. And the, but then at, at the same time, it's like, I have a lot of friendships that I've maintained this last and have grown stronger. And I've maintained the past 20 years from high school. And so I'm like, th- even then it's like, yeah, you, you grow, but then it's like, you see the people who kind of like are there with you they're growing yeah. themselves and so that's kind of like the vibe that i got more so with like you know uh jack and uh mia versus like just and mia because like college is a whole different ball game right oh it is it, it changes you know? it's, it's crazy like you don't think anything is different than high school then all of a sudden you're in college and that's where they met yeah um but also you mentioned the dating app so you know Jess, her friend, convinces her to get on a dating app. And you really don't know if that dating app's connected to what's going on. Um, yeah. 
who knows and you don't know yeah like yeah you don't know who's on the other side you don't know how many other people they're messaging you don't know yeah and yeah i I, that's why i'm like i don't i don't even know what i would do if i was single tomorrow (laughs) i i'm the same way the dating app started (laughs) a big thing when i was single i mean you went to the club (laughs) you know you socially met people yeah or you met yeah you're you met them in your circles or through other people yeah 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 Absolutely. Yeah, I, met, I met my husband through my cousin, um, you know, and that's exactly it. And even my other boyfriends I met like, yeah, exactly. Like through people or in college, in class, you know, like, yeah, yeah. well, I met my, my first husband in a club. Um, and <laughs> I, and on sixth street at Austin, Texas, my parents I, met in a bar. It happened. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, that led to divorce. So no, <laughs> Hopefully not for your parents, but no, no, um, they're still together. <laughs> that's good. I met my husband, um, who we've been together for twenty years, and um, that was in a bookstore. It sounds so like, oh my gosh, yeah. But he'd seen. I'm kind of a gym rat, so he'd seen me at the gym a lot. So that was an excuse to come up. But he loves books. So was he yeah. stalking you? Is was he your was he your mystery? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yes, <laughs> he didn't leave me notes. <laughs> would he ever admit that though like oh no, that's go, true that's true that's you know true. oh oh fancy seeing you here you know <laughs> this day he jokes that he came up to me and he knew he'd never talk to me again because he had a stain on his shirt i'm like i didn't see the stain <laughs> but to this day oh he gosh. talks about that stain yeah yeah that's adorable i love that i love that um so i want to i want to address your uh <laughs> I don't know what to call it. Your rap sheet, your uh, book log, your your arc, you know, your, your library <laughs> of titles. You have a lot of titles under your belt, and that's very impressive. And both in steamy romance, just by looking at the cover, <laughs> <laughs> and in thriller. Um, yeah. So I kind of want to like explore that. Like, how do you, you know, what draws you to thriller? What draws you to romance? And how do you like approach those genres? Like differently or do you kind of approach the same just and things like that I want to like kind of see how you like how you bounce back in between those two mindsets well for instance um, my inside out series which is romance technically but it's an erotic thriller it um god it's been optioned all over high Hollywood stars Paramount all over the place and that's really because it's that thriller side of things and it's erotic not because it was supposed to be a romance but because i mean it's about um believe it or not my husband and i well my husband mostly he he storage he did the whole storage auction thing before storage tours was in existence and so he found this journal and um, i was writing a category romance at the time for harlequin just because it was how i got started i wanted to do other Mm. things with I got started and I'm sitting there on deadline and he's on the couch sick and he's like, got this journal reading. And it's like, Oh my God, she's, you know, pregnant again. Oh my God, somebody died. He's like a chick reading it. And he's like, (laughs) you have to write a story about somebody who either dies or, you know, you know, or turns into a zombie because of this journal. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, (laughs) let's go with dies. And so this story percolated forever. And it was really when my career took off because, um, the series. Um, so she finds a journal, she starts reading it and it's got some erotic entries, but she's um, goes and tries to find her, ends up kind of living her life and then involved with men that not really men, boss and another man. And she, you start wondering, is she doing, being drawn down this erotic path with a man that 
might have killed this other woman. So as you can see, yeah, I write romance, but um, it goes down that path of the same kind of thing in a way as you look beautiful tonight, because, and that's why I even highlighted that one is it's a journey that this woman takes. She, the woman in the journal was following the career path she wanted to follow and she didn't have the courage to take it. So she starts Mm. going, leading somebody else's life. Whereas Mia she does kind of want somebody else's life too. And so, you know, that's how that goes. But I mean, I, when I wrote category romance, I kind of think I kept trying to kill people off. I mean, they'd be like, Lisa, only one person, <laughs> you know? So, I mean, for me, almost everything has a thriller aspect to it. I mean, for Walmart, they asked me to write these cowboy romances and they said, if the, I would do that, they would put the poet, do, they would publish or put the poet on shelves. And the poet is a serial killer who puts, notes in people's mouths. So I wrote the Cowboys to get to the poet. So, I mean, everything's really about ultimately thrillers for me. Okay. And then like, kind of like what draws you to that? Like what, I mean, I'm a sucker for thrillers too. So I think that like, that's what really gets me turning the page. If it's done well, it's like, what? Like, oh, God, I want to know. And then it's like, it hits you and you're like, oh, like, and I get that eerie vibe. It's so kind of like, does that kind of like what draws you to uh, what, you know, a lot of authors I've asked about, they, you know, they've, um, they just remember when they were younger reading and stuff like that. And that's, they loved it. So like, kind of what draws you to, to that sort of, you know, I- pathway in the story arc? I mean, my mom read straight romance and we were so poor. We went to the library and I used to steal her Victoria Holt books, which are like really old, like dark Gothic romance. So maybe it was the dark Gothic side of things. Yeah. Also, I was a lucky child. So I was a little so scared. <laughs> so maybe it was just the combination of the dark and scared. I don't know. Um, but I mean, even watching TV, I like those edgy shows that you can't, you know, figure things out, you know, whether it had was lost back in the day or something newer and fresher now. Um, so lost I, was like, Oh my God, that was, was like, such, that. I didn't realize like, it was such a huge thing. I was, I was in it. I was in, I was one of those audiences that was like, before my husband, that was like the longest committed relationship I had. It was like, <laughs> I was, I was like so faithful. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I love the intrigue of that. Like, you don't really know what's going on. And yeah. um, of course, towards the end, it was like, okay, the writers didn't know what was going on either. But <laughs> <laughs> they did a great job of dragging us on for a long, long time. I know, right? I kind of write like that in a way, too. Like, um, I have this little series that's um, it's kind of a romance thriller, too. But I remember when I ended book one, it was in the middle of this mystery. And honestly, I did not know what was going to happen. That I try not to do that. But I, the end of that book, I was like, oh, my God, I don't know. And um, there's part two to it. So when somebody put in a review, it's the only time I've ever wanted to comment on a review. They put, oh, I know exactly what's going to happen. It's too predictable. I'm like, oh, my God, tell me. It's happy because maybe don't give me an idea. I was like, I don't know where I'm going with this. It just, I went where it took me. How do you yeah. be sneaky about that, right? It's like, how are you like, oh, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I was like, I mean, no, seriously, I'm not being, you know, trying to be like one of those people who go after reviewers. I'm really asking. <laughs> I know. I know. That's so funny. Cause like, yeah, I, I know a lot of authors, they're like, oh, 
one number one like word of advice is do not read your reviews yeah don't. no matter how many like amazing reviews you have and some of them are like no i i did the thing i read my reviews and the, you know it's like they they kind of look for like well what's consistent you know so yeah. it's like that's a good way to look at it but at the same time my, it's like no i totally get because yeah you it. no it's like you you put yourself out there when you yeah. put a work out there that you've like you know worked so hard and and spent so much time and energy into and then like for somebody to read it and just be like eh like <laughs> yeah. you know when i so tom thomas and mercer my editor um so it was a prime read and she said i just have to warn you up front you will get the worst reviews of your career because a lot of prime readers that's not their genre that's not their thing they just read it because they get it it's not what they expected and she said you're going to get that i'm like i don't know if i can handle it i mean i do not look that often but with my other genres and even like the poet i wasn't in in that and so i didn't have to deal with that but it's that was something i was like i up front i'm like okay i need a, like a drink the first few days or something because <laughs> she i mean when your editor warns you in advance no yeah and it's yeah the amazon first reads because i am like a part of that uh mailing list and so i did see the title um but it's like yeah you're also competing with like what seven or eight other titles yeah. too so it's you never know like if a reader it's like, yeah, you read the little blurb, but then it's like, you're, there's other blurbs too, and they all sound just as captivating, you know, and it's like, you never know. You never know. I don't know what they're um, going to do and uh, how they're going to react. And I, I just, I hadn't experienced that before. I mean, I think way back when I had a book come out and they, there was this early review program at Amazon and it was kind of similar. And I remember having some bad reviews up front and kind of freaking out. And then later when regular readers got to it, you know, it starts shifting. But yeah. I was like, oh, my God, don't tell me that. Um, and well, so you also got like your existing fan, you know, your existing reader base, right? Who are like, know you and know your work. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> that's new. That's my first book. So when so I So why did you decide to do like a different pen name for this? Like and 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 what were your biggest lessons learned with with doing with doing it this way? Well, so Walmart, when they wanted the poet, they wanted something to be very male dominated thriller. And they um insisted that I be Lisa Renee Jones because I had sold through well for that. But it was a problem because romance readers know me as Lisa Renee Jones and I've been a lot. And then to men, a lot of men, sorry, but they just, my husband's one of these snobs. They don't like to read women thriller writers. Oh gosh. And isn't that a bitch? Like, (laughs) yeah. But yeah, it's, um, so that was a challenge. So, um, Thomas and I had wanted desperately to be L.R. Jones. So what happened with the poet was Barnes and Noble put the poet in romance. The poet, like I said, is a serial killer who stuffs notes in the victim's mouth. There's no romance. It is a hardcore crime scene thriller. Whereas, whereas, um, you look beautiful tonight. It's more of a psychological thriller. Mm-hmm. Um, this is hardcore crime thriller. And, um, and they were insistent they wouldn't move it. I even had my assistant calling stores and they're like, no, people know her. They'll buy her book. I'm like, yeah, my romance readers who will be ticked off. And then none of the thriller people can find me. So Thomas and Mercer said, let's do L.R. Jones. So there's challenges to that. You know, people can't find me that know me. And um, people who know me, maybe or maybe they don't 
do or don't want to read that kind of book. So, you know, it's a starting a new, done a new path, but it's exciting too. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's definitely like a way to like learn, <laughs> like just to learn how the new taking a separate path off, to, off of what you know. Yeah. And I don't want readers to be upset that they're not getting what they think they're getting. So I was very excited to go down this path because then it could be that I'm judged on this. It's like, you know, this book that I starred Publishers Weekly Review, oh, I, my Inside Out series hit the Times like, I don't know, eight times. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I never got even barely, I don't think that whole series got even reviewed by Publishers Weekly. So um, to get a starred review with a new yeah. name, I mean, it's a genre, it's a genre thing, a name. Um, I don't know if it has any, you know, input on that at all, but, or, you know, I couldn't get that. And I think that, you know, you know, Inside Out obviously had a lot of fans, but it didn't get that. And I don't got teary eyed. I was like, oh, uh-huh. my person and all these. <laughs> yeah. I That's was like, awesome. I know- yeah, I know that it might seem like at this point in my career, I wouldn't, but I, it's like a to reach another milestone. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's, hey, you had to like step outside of your norm to to yeah. get that, right? To get yeah. that for yourself and yeah. to get that. Yeah, absolutely. And to that's risk all- going out with a new name is scary because you don't know, will that name take off? And um, which I mean, you feel like with Amazon behind you, you have a good shot of people seeing it because it's such a, um, there's a lot of books out there now. So getting noticed, you know, being with a publisher who knows how to do that. And certainly Amazon does. And also when they wanted to use a new pen name and it was already in my head that I knew I needed to do that. I'd argued for it. I was like, Oh yes, this is like magic. We're on the same page. (laughs) Well, that's think about good. Jones, and you have one of those sexy covers come up, and you're like, <laughs> you think, "Oh, this book is not for me." <laughs> oh no, I I see those sexy covers, and I'm like, Ooh, "Maybe this will be like for my Kindle." Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's why the new alternate covers are so popular. There you go. There yeah. you go. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I know that's what, well, that's what like first thing I noticed when I was like browsing your website and yeah. um, both of your uh, sections, it was like, yeah. Ooh, that's why we keep those right. separated too. like, go over there to the thriller side. <laughs> but, if, it, uh, if you're yes. looking for that steamy stuff, or if yeah. you're looking for the suspense, you know, yes. just... <laughs> When you talk about writing different genres, I mean, like I have one series I write that is total crime thriller. It's still unreleased, Renee Jones, but um, she's got like, it's kind of like a J.D. Robin that she's got the same guy through the whole thing. So people do love their relationships and, and the way they work together, but she has gory crime scenes. You know, I mean, one crime scene, you know, there, there was like pig's blood everywhere. And, you know, that he had put in like a ceiling fan and a thing to spray over the whole room, you know, like to throw off the scene. And, um, you know, I'm writing that. And then I go and I write a romance and, you know, there's not that. Because even if you're writing an edgy, thrillerish romance, you're not going to have like pig's blood. And or right. this, <laughs> the last book in this series, they were... Um, the killer was imitating horror movie killers. So it got really, really gory. So that's not, yeah. so you, there is a change of mindset. Like um, when I went to write the next romance and I had to like, it was, it's plot driven versus romance driven. So I mean, a romance is still, no matter what, even if it's a thriller driven by the romance. So it's a lot of touchy feely love, I feel, and I, all of that, which you can have feelings like Mia has plenty of feelings, but they're 
not the same kind of feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Cause she's kind of like, you know, she's really intrigued, but I think a lot of it is because like the connection that she feels with this person. And then also like, he's gorgeous. Right. And you know, you just think of like, if maybe you felt a connection, but he wasn't gorgeous (laughs) or he was just gorgeous and you didn't feel anything towards him. Like how different could that story go? You know, it's like, that sure. those were the two kickers of like that's true. He, that's true. he knew how to he knew how to uh rope her in and then he he's good looking so it's like she there was like it was easy you know it was easy yeah. and she couldn't help herself she couldn't help herself and she also felt that connection she felt that intimacy and then it um but that it turned to manipulation and how many times not just women but men too have they been in a relationship yeah where the person's gorgeous and wonderful and the sex is great absolutely and in this case me it doesn't ever have sex with him but um you know uh it let's spoil it, alert okay <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> but i mean i don't want them to think because of the romance there's a bunch of sex but um you know all these things are so hot and great and then all of a sudden, the person shows their true side. Like, yeah. my husband always turns on the radio in the morning to this channel where they call and somebody calls in and says, you know, they suspect their spouse is lying or their boyfriend or girlfriend's lying. And they, so the DJ calls and says, I have a bouquet of roses. We're just doing this promotion. We're trying to get our store lots of attention. All you have to do is give me a card and address. And then, you know, if you'll post on social media, that'd be great. And so who do you want to post to? And, or who do you want to send to? And, you know, they always ask, no, this isn't a scam. There's no credit card. No, all you got to do is give me the info. So he says, um, I love our life together this morning. And then she loses it. She comes on the line. How can you love our life together when you've got somebody named Jenna as your, <laughs> as your contact? <laughs> but the interesting part about this was kind of twofold. He's like, you know, she, he's like, Jenna was my ex-wife. She's like, you told me you didn't even know who Jenna was. And he says, we were only married two weeks. And then he's like, you know, I'm a very private person. And now I'm telling the world about this. And he's like, and we're over. And she's like getting out. And it's like, okay, who's the crazy one here? The woman who was going through his phone and they've only been together. Called two- like a radio station. Yeah. Versus uh, like the guy who made her kind of yeah follow, um, follow and- down that path to do all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, he actually did have a secret life. He didn't, he did lie about it. I mean, he told her he didn't know who Jenna was. Come on. He was married to the woman a year and a half ago. He knows who she is. So I and mean, he's still sending flowers to her like, or he no, to allegedly, the allegedly <laughs> the girl he was sending, he was going to send the flowers to was the one he's seen now. The one who went through okay. his phone. Yeah. Oh, I see. And she was trying to, she was trying to see who he was gonna. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He did take her, but then she still lost it. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) But the thing is, is that she goes back to, I know I was like, oh my God, we're we're listening to a train wreck. I could barely listen to it. But I, at the thriller writer in me was like, who's the problem here? You're like, ooh, there's something here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like people too many times do you really know the person that's a scary part about dating online now too um do you really know the person and at some point you find out who they are and in a way that's what happens to me as she finds out all of a sudden that when he suddenly decides i'm going to take care of you you know if you don't do this i'm going to do it for you 
take get your life under control and um there are and then when he does he does and then it's like oh holy there's shit. no turning like uh, yeah 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 because yeah. i was yeah while reading it i was like how would i get myself out of the situation i'm like no i'm fucked like i'm just like i would have no i would be right there with me i'd be like okay carefully calculating like okay you know, anything, any more information, like he knows all this information, but anything more I give him is dangerous, you know, it's a liability. And she did desperately try and do a few things, but they all backfired. And, you know, he, especially when you've got somebody who is dominant like that in a relationship, um, they kind of teach those people lessons, smash them back down. So, you know, and that's why you see abusive women who um, they don't leave relationships because they're afraid whether it's, um, you know, I'll hurt somebody you love, I'll do whatever. And then they end up staying because they get so afraid to leave. And they've just kind of, it's like a psycho. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like, okay, well, he's my protector, but he's also like my like abuser. So it's like, yeah. Yeah, it's like psychologically, that's like, okay, you're supposed to be, you know, mentally, you're like relying on him, but then he's just as capable of doing that harm. And yeah, you can't, you, if you, I mean, anything you do to try to like be sneaky to try to get out of that situation, like he's onto it. And it's like, yeah, you can't get out of it. Mm-hmm. And, and then when the only way to get out of it is to take a risk for yourself or somebody that you love. And, um, and then when you do that, you know, is there a price that you pay yeah. um, and you don't know whether you can actually get out of it without paying a price. And anytime there's any kind of, you just call it abuse because he ultimately anybody who's dominating you and you're afraid to leave them is abuse. Yeah. Or like removing control or like manipulating or, you know, like, cause she, she straight up is like, yeah, because she's worried for her friends. She's worried for her family and she is worried, you know, and even like, you know, trying to be split free. It's like she 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 did not have any, um, you know, connection or feelings towards her ex. And then he was involved. He was roped in to uh, her circle of <laughs> whatever this guy thought was fair game. And so it was like, she, so she's like. You know, and she's even saying, I, I you know, I didn't, he was an asshole, but I, I wasn't like wanting any, anything towards him. You know, right, she was anything like, bad to, yeah, there's a lot of times in life where somebody's an asshole and you're like, oh, but that doesn't mean you want to do. Yeah. Them. Yeah. Whether, you know, you don't want to, you don't want them killed. You don't want anything to happen to them bad. Um, you don't exactly. Want them to you're just like, yeah. 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 You just, you want them to be nice. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. You just want to kind of stick it to them and have them have like maybe a change of heart. <laughs> like, yeah, I you, mean, you, you want, you want them to learn a lesson. Like, <laughs> yeah, think about any time in your life you've ever called and told somebody you care about, oh, she made me so angry, this or that or whatever. And then that person says, well, do something about it. And when you say, I, I, I just needed to vent, no, do something or I will. And this isn't an option. Yeah. And, um, you know, whether it be, oh, I'm going to be embarrassed at work or whatever it might be that manipulates you. It's a scary thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Lisa, this was such a fascinating conversation. There's a couple more questions I want to get to. Otherwise I feel like we will just talk like forever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I love asking this question. Um, What were the most challenging parts to write of this story? And then what were like the most enjoyable parts to write? Oh, 
gosh, the most challenging parts. Um, I think always in these stories for me, the most challenging part is to make sure that um, nobody can guess the end. So, but it's also the most enjoyable part. So I have to say they're both the same. I get um, it. Yeah. <laughs> I, try, I, I try and pride myself on you can't guess the ending of my books. No, I I'm right there with you. I will I will uh, confirm that you you threw a bunch of twists in there. You threw a bunch of variables in there, and I was like. Where is this going? Like, what's going to, I don't know. <laughs> and and it's, it's tricky because you can have something be so obvious. And later the reader look back and go, oh, there were these clues, but to mislead them enough that they ignore those clues. Yeah. Yeah. So you give them the answer because you don't want to have be a total red herring. You want them to actually, you know, under, you know, feel like they actually did have a chance to figure it out. Right. Um, I mean, um, and when I say red herring, I mean, I guess I I do do that. <laughs> but I mean, you know, um, I just think that, you know, if you have enough going on there, everybody has a little bit of suspicion that that's fine. Um, yeah, because you, fe- you so- feed in a bunch of like little things um, that Mia's like, what's this? What's that? You know, and it's that's leading the reader on, too, because they're like, OK, what's going to happen with this? What's going to happen with that? And then it's like we were all wrong. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. I love that. And um, for people not to be able to guess, but, and I also think though, it makes me a better writer to be trying to weave those things in because I think more about the depth of the character and um, what each person might do that we might take for granted on some days, but on a day when we're paranoid, would we take it for granted? You know, yeah. in a paranoid state, you look at everything differently. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. It's like that, you know, that high alert or that go to that animal instinct, like that prey versus predator, predator, yeah. like they're, they're like instincts that kind of kick in um, just naturally that you don't even, that you're not even aware of. It's just like your body or your brain trying to protect yourself. And it's true. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, Lisa Renee Jones, LR Jones, um, <laughs> what, uh, what's your next project? What are you working on next that you can talk about? So in February, I have my second thriller coming out with Thomas and Mercer. And I actually, it's my favorite probably book I've written. Um, and it's called The Wedding Party. And um, gosh, it's um, basically um, uh, a detective who's just come off a big case. And she goes, she gets roped into going to this bat combo bachelor, bachelorette party at Estes Park um, to, at the Stanley Hotel where, you know, Stephen King is known to have stayed and everything. So it's haunted. I've been to it. And, <laughs> you know, it's, and um, so that's kind of just a fun setting, even though there's nothing paranormal about the story. But then, of course, she's supposed to be on vacation. And it's it's a unique format because it's two points of view. You get this one, the, the bride, and you get her. And, the you know, you're alternating between them and what's going on in their world. And then, you know, somebody dies and it goes from there. But there's this mysterious box um, that gets delivered and you know that that's all related to it. And I just love that mysterious box that's, you know, all a part of this mystery. And in the end, hopefully nobody will guess the end either, even though I think it's obvious. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, guys. Come on. (laughs) My husband and my father-in-law. Right there. um, Yeah. My husband and my father-in-law have gone on and on about it being the best book I've ever written. And I, I I really do love it. When I was going through the edit process, um, I just, I, I usually am very critical of my work, but I just was 
feeling I love this book. I do. You were comfortable with, with the end result. You were yeah. like, yes, that's yeah. awesome. Cool. Cause considering how many titles that you have published, that's spe- that's saying a lot where yeah. both you're probably like your, you're doing your better readers, whatever you want to call it. Your husband and your father-in-law have, have probably read so many of your rough drafts and for them to be like, Oh no, this, this is the best. And like that, that's a lot. That's saying a lot. Yeah. And I love the uh, contrasting characters too. Like the detective is very confident other than she's awkward in public. Like she would start talking about her body, you know, instead of she's, you know, that's all she does is, you know, for homicides. And then um, the, the heroine or not heroine, but the uh, really, you can't call anybody the heroine in this. Um, she, the bride, she's kind of insecure like Mia. And I think that that's kind of a fun contrast in the two of them, although at times she has a lot of confidence. So it's fun. I think it's really fun. Murder mystery whodunit. Um, and um, it reminds me a lot of, um, oh, God, my mind just went blank. But there was that TV show that's recently been out where, you know, everybody goes to an island and all these crazy things happen. My mind is, oh, oh I don't know. The, what um, is it? On, is it on Netflix? Like, you know, uh, yeah, uh, no, I think it's a uh, Hulu, but um, anyway, it's so uh, it's huge. But anyway, they all go to this island. You hear about, you learn about all these people's lives and you know, your first scene is some sort of murder or something like that. And you know what, and you're trying to figure out what's going to happen. And I feel like it has that kind of vibe. I love it. So. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And you know, that's, all, I'm really intrigued that you are also proud of it amongst all everything that you've done so far and that your rough draft readers agree that's that's really that's awesome and like i'm i would be very interested to to check that out so i will um, definitely send you a copy yes thank you i was gonna say come back we'll (laughs) we'll, we'll talk about it again i love it i'd love that feel feel free to reach out you know but yeah, so Lisa Renee Jones, LR Jones, uh, where can we find you on the online and social media? Lisa Renee Jones is the best way to find me, even though I'm also LR Jones. So I'm all over social media and my website is LisaReneeJones.com. Um, and everybody can come to Reader's Take Denver. You can come as, and be our podcast as, expert. We would love that. Okay. I That would be so cool because I'd be knocking out to, you know. Yeah. Two of my two of my things that I love, and then I'm interested in into one trip. So absolutely, and you, go, and you said help. April, right? April, April, which is a great time of the year to come here because there's some chance of snow, but it's not going to be like a blizzard. And yeah, usually hey, just I'm, really I'm from you know I'm Chicago, and I feel like hey, does the 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 flights and the travel arrangements are a little bit more cost reasonable, right? In, yeah, in April. For Colorado, anyway, I feel like, I don't know. It depends on in the U.S. It de- <laughs> That's one it's thing crazy. that I, I think like, uh, people abroad have commented on. It's like in the U.S., you can like, whatever climate you like, you can go, you could just that move is true. there. And it's you still just move there. Season. Yeah. It'll still be ski season. So skiing's like 40 minutes away. Oh, so. uh, I'm not, I've never done it. I am uncoordinated. Um, I will Damn sit, <laughs> I will, I will sit on the sidelines and read my book in a, a by the, by the campfire. And watch other people ski. So that's what I I do. I literally, (laughs) my husband and my stepson go, I sit by the fire and write. And I have a great time. I mean, it's great. It's probably a beautiful view, right? Like you look at the mountains and the snow, you see people bust their shit, you know, it's like great. It's great all around. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. I will, um, we'll, we'll, uh, include, uh, the links to like, that organization and that event in our show notes it'll you know we'll make sure that 
yeah, we'll make sure that everybody is is at least aware, <laughs> aware of I'll everything. Send you, I'll send you stuff about the podcast. It's oh, the, perfect. The podcast, you know, because we would love that. So, okay. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That would be, no, that would be so awesome and enjoyable. Perfect. Um, and, okay. And the Baylord's a great family hotel. They have the pool and, the, oh, it's an amazing place to bring your family. So. Yeah. I've got two boys and they love, they love hotels. It's like, like, like even, even when they know that I'm going somewhere by myself, they're like, I want to go there. Where, where, wait, or if I'm looking at a picture of something like, where is that? I want to go. Like, okay. Don't okay, like, I have to be careful now. Like I have to like, uh-huh. this is mom and dad. Thing. Yeah, exactly. No. And it's like, no, I, this I is actually a family resort. So yeah. Oh, perfect. Cause I'm like, I'm at that point where, cause they're, they're five and two, five and two and a half. And I'm at that point where it's like, I want to take them on trips, but I also enjoy myself more when they're not with me. So it's like, it's fine. That sweet spot, you know, well, you could do lots of, um, of that, um, you know, the social stuff to get to know people and networking and everything too. So, but you could always send your husband and the kids to the pool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that they all, they all love the pool. Perfect. Perfect. That was like, that. that's like my go-to. That's my go-to. Like, cause I'm like, okay, we're going to chill. We're going to spend some time at the pool. All right. I'm just, where's my book? Like, <laughs> it really is like, yeah, perfect. Awesome. Okay. So Lisa Renee Jones, LR Jones, you look beautiful tonight. It's available now. Um, yes. thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, thank this you. was such a cool conversation. It's such an easy conversation. Come back. We'll be glad I love to have it. you. I love yeah. it. Great. Thank you so much. <laughs> Bye. And there you go. That was L.R. Jones, also known as Lisa Renee Jones, talking about her recent release, You Look Beautiful Tonight, that's available now. Uh, Look in the show notes to find links on where to find her on social media, her website, and also to find the link to her uh, Reader's Take Denver event. Rate, review, subscribe, head on over to Goodreads and Amazon.com to rate these authors and their work. Check out um, my book reviews on the nerdcantina.com. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter, Cantina Book Club and the Nerd Cantina. And as always, thank you guys so much for listening.